I'm Senator Crystal Diamond. I represent Senate District 35, which encompasses Sierra County, Luna County, Hidalgo County, and the west side of Doniana County. One of the primary industries in that Boot Hill region of New Mexico is the hunting and outfitting industry. And so today joining us, we have Executive Director of the New Mexico Council of Outfitting Gui- Outfitters and Guides, Miss Carrie Romero. Carrie, thanks for joining us here today. Yep, great to be here. So we are meeting here in the state capitol building where the New Mexico Department of Game and Fish just held a commission meeting above us today. Can you give us a quick recap of what was discussed that has a direct impact on the uh, hunting industry? Sure. Well, we attend every game commission meeting um, as all of the Department of Game and Fish decisions have a direct impact on our industry. But today's meeting was actually a special game commission meeting. It was specifically for the purpose of approving or denying the non-navigable water applications that have been pending since the game commission uh, imposed a moratorium back in the beginning of 2020, I believe. Um, So that was the purpose of today's meeting. There were some other agenda items that were covered, restoration of river otters in the Gila and... um, also, uh, just a general discussion of wildlife management areas and then the budget. And the budget. So let's go back to this this uh, landowner certification of non-navigable water. So this issue continues to resurface. Why is that a concern for landowners in New Mexico? And um, maybe even for our listeners who may be part of the urban population, why does that issue continue to surface? What's the history on it? What it was determined today? And where do you expect that this will go? Wow, we only have 20 minutes. So it's a <laughs> give lot, us a brief recap to cover. I'll try to give a 30,000 foot uh, overview. But the purpose of today's commission meeting was to approve or deny some applications. However, the commission actually did not do either one of those. They kind of just kicked the can to the next meeting in August because right now the issue is extremely controversial. It's not particularly surprising that they kicked the can. Uh, the manner in which the chairwoman decided to defend her kick the can stance was a little bit surprising. It came from a conflict of interest standpoint. And so we'll learn more about that at the next commission meeting, but um, they did not actually make any decision on any of the applications today. So um, yeah, I guess first thing that I should say, bottom line, the non-navigable waters rule does not have any bearing on the legality of whether or not you could walk or wade in a stream bed if there is private property on both sides. It is illegal to walk in a stream bed when there is private property on both sides. Whether you're walking through water or whether you're walking on dry land, you cannot walk in a waterway when there's private property on both sides. What the non-navigable waters rule does is give the ability for landowners to apply their waters as non-navigable and present them with a certificate, which they can post, which gives them the ability to pursue criminal trespass. It's still illegal if they have someone caught on their property and they don't have it properly posted, it's still illegal, but you cannot pursue criminal trespass unless you have your property properly posted, just like in the hunting industry. Same thing as in the hunting industry. That's all the non-navigable waters rule does. There's been a lot of misinformation a lot of, uh, you know, misinformation coming through in the comment process. People don't really understand what's going on here. This determination by the Game Commission that was set to happen today had nothing to do with the law. Okay. So walk us through this. We said You said that the, that the decision was kicked um, down till August in which they will address this issue again. What will they be determining at that Game and Fish meeting in August 
that needs to be addressed? Yeah, so I'm not sure whether or not the issue will really get determined in August. We'll we'll see what happens. Um, I I believe what, and this is my personal belief, but I believe what the Game Commission strategy is right now is to kind of wait. The issue is currently at the Supreme Court level, Mm -hmm. and I think they're waiting on the Supreme Court to decide the issue for them before they have to make a determination on certificates. So that's just kind of my personal feeling on the situation. Um, Like I said, the determination of whether or not these individuals get approved for non-navigable water certification does not mean that you can... Un, have unfettered access to waters on private property. The regardless. law is still in effect. Right, regardless. So another big issue, uh, in addition to the non-navigable waters that we continue to see kind of playing out in the media, we see a lot of op-eds out there, is the E-plus system. And there's also a lot of confusion about really even what the E-plus system is. So so for uh, viewers and listeners, could you bring us back and kind of explain what E-plus s- system is and then where the debate is today? Okay. Yeah, sure. So what the E-plus system is, is it's the um, Department of Game and Fish's method for issuing elk hunting opportunity on private land. And that's sort of an overly simplistic definition. Mm-hmm. But for individuals who are unfamiliar with the industry, that's that's kind of what it does. And so it's important to understand that in other states, uh, the Wildlife Department of Wildlife, whoever the agency is that manages wildlife, they pay landowners directly for their habitat improvement, water, um, you know, water features so that are providing to compensate yeah, so those landowners for their good work. This right? is, New Mexico does not have the ability to do that, to pay uh, landowners directly. That's sort of not true all the way around. But in general, they don't have mm-hmm. the ability to compensate the, the landowners at the level that they would need to, to mitigate the damages that are caused by wildlife, including elk. Right. And also to, you know, compensate them for their very, very essential habitat that they provide on private property. So E-plus is the way that the Department of Game and Fish pays those Incentivizes. Yeah, incentivizes. Good stewardship. uh, Yeah, exactly. So um, what it is, is it's uh, an opportunity for an individual to buy an opportunity to go hunting. It does not guarantee the harvest of an animal. This is simply an opportunity to go hunting on that private property. And then there's also um, what are called unit-wide tags where they have the ability to um, to hunt both the private property and then also the public land too. And in exchange, that ranch owner must open up their ranch for the general public that have licenses within that game management unit. Okay, so the E-plus system has been praised as actually being a very good model here in New Mexico. And so now why is there conversation about potentially changing that? Where is that coming from? Where is that? Where do you believe the commission is leaning? Why are we discussing changing a system if so many of us believe that it's not broke? Yeah, uh, I think it's a great system. It works fantastically. I go all over the country and I hear from people and I hear people in Montana, Colorado, you know, all of these other Western states, and they covet the way that we do our landowner permits. It works, it generates income, and it's mutually beneficial to the hunter and then to the landowner and then also to the outfitting industry as well. So the main push for against, I guess, 
the E plus system is coming from the resident hunting segment and specifically the New Mexico Wildlife Federation, New Mexico Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, the really resident centered advocacy groups. And they, they try to defend their position uh, from a, a, a fairness standpoint, but really what it comes down to is New Mexico does not have the same levels of game that some of these other Western states do. We're just, we're drier. We mm-hmm. just don't have the same numbers of elk. And so it, it really just comes down to demand, to supply and demand, in, in my opinion. And so the the resident-centered uh, advocacy groups, just they want to provide more opportunity to the resident. And um, resident hunters are not generally the demographic that purchases landowner permits. It seems to me that one piece that they're ignoring then is the um, habitat and the conservation work that goes into definitely um, making sure that our environment is in good standing and we're providing habitat for that wildlife. And so if you remove that incentive, um, really all of New Mexico suffers because New Mexico wildlife suffers and the environment as a whole. So I think that's a piece that they are forgetting is there has to be some sort of incentive to encourage people to go out there to um, to to implement good conservation practices. Yeah, right? it's, that helps it's a huge a huge element of it because fifty percent of New Mexico's landmass is private property. Right, the private landowners are contributing an enormous amount of habitat and and water. I mean, this our state is so arid and dry, and here we talk about water all the time. The private landowners are the individuals or who are providing water for that wildlife. Who are doing that? And I'd hate to see. Um, I hate to see us to um, remove when we're doing Definitely. such good work on there to remove that piece from the land. Mm-hmm. Um, so then let's back up right now for, before we move on. How then do you see this going? Do you expect that there will be some changes made to the E plus system? Um, who ultimately dis- determines that? And if people here listening are concerned, who do they need to lobby um, to to make sure that either E plus stays or or express their concerns that on the changes that need to happen. Yeah. So the commission and the department of game and fish's ability to provide private land elk tags to hunters is in statute. Okay. So that would be a legislative action, but the E plus rule is, is obviously in rule and that's a commission decision. So the elk statute gives the, the department and the commission, the ability to give private land elk permits, but that's basically all it says. It's only about three sentences long and um, and then the rule is what encompasses basically the the method of how those uh, who qualifies, which properties qualify, what sort of matrix they have to meet, what sort of habitat they have to provide, and all of the details within that. So a lot of changes can be made within the rule process, and I expect that that will probably be where some changes will be made. It's on a four-year rule cycle, so it will okay. come open every four years and it gets re, reanalyzed. Um, so I, I expect that there will probably be some changes made in the future and there there needs to be. It's, you know, it's a, an ever-changing atmosphere and so it needs to be looked at every, every couple of years. But it's been in effect for, you know, over 20 years, I believe, and, mm-hmm. and we've just, we've grown to the point of where we're at now. And we have a really, really good system. Good. So maybe the E plus doesn't need to go before the legislator to, to change much, but what are some of your legislative priorities? I feel like as a freshman legislator this last year, it was very 
evident the divide between not just rural versus urban, but also legislators seem very removed in the impact that the hunting industry has on New Mexico. And those um, statistics and the data um, that that outfitting brings to New Mexico is significant. So if you could, for the listeners, just explain what the outfitting and hunting industry brings to New Mexico, and then uh, transition into what you need from the New Mexico legislator to make sure that that continues and you guys are able to do your good work here. Yeah, so I think I, I think you hit the nail on the head with, uh, you know, the divide between rural and urban. That's the biggest thing is that there's just so many legislators who do not understand what a rural economy looks like. They don't understand that 100% of all of the tourism in Capturan County comes from the hunting and fishing industry and more so the hunting industry because there's just not as much water. But that's 100% of the tourism base. Mm -hmm. You lose that aspect. You lose the hunting aspect. And you've lost that entire tourism base for that county. And they just don't under, they don't, don't understand that. And then additionally, there's just a, a very big divide on uh, how people understand nature just in general. And it's kind of sad to say, but they just, they have a very um, idealistic idea of what happens in the woods. And um, that's just not realistic. It's not realistic. Yeah. Some of the legislation that was brought forward this last session would have directly impacted the outfitting industry. And I think there was very little um, attention really given to that, that the impact it would have. You mentioned Catron County. I'm in Sierra County, where, as you know, there's a large outfitting um, population there. And sometimes we praise Netflix or or all these other kind of um, economic, you know, uh, booms that come into New Mexico. But we also don't give enough attention to our core industries, right? That keep rural New Mexico going. So I agree. And the ones that have been here for generations and continue to bring people into New Mexico. So as we move in, as we kind of wrap up today and we move into the 2022 legislative session and maybe not so much in a budget year, but moving forward, what do you need New Mexico's legislators to understand? What are your legislative priorities and what would you like to see um, as an, as an industry Uh, what would you like to see the legislator address? Yeah, I think, you know, I think we as, as an organization need to do a better job of educating the legislators and uh, especially on our economic contributions. We just have historically not done a great job of that. So I think that that will be a major focus over the next two years to just kind of, just kind of bring awareness to what our, our industry contributes, which Mm -hmm. is over a hundred million just in outfitter and guide. That doesn't even include the resident hunting industry, which also contributes substantially. So, um, and just, you know, just to give the legislators a a better idea of what the non-resident hunting segment provides, because that's our tourism segment. And that segment is so, so important because those are outside dollars coming into our state and then being regenerated over and over again. And it's big money. It's substantial. So, so what, what's the average cost of a um, private land elk tag? Well, it kind of goes all over the board from northern to southern to New southern? Mexico. Okay, let's but say in the Gila. In the Gila, I mean, you get, you're talking fifteen grand just for the landowner permit. For, for a week, $15,000. They're flying into Albuquerque. Exactly. They're, they're spending money when they come in. They've got a hotel room. They often have a rental car. Mm-hmm. They spend money along the way in those rural and remote communities. Um, and, and then that's a set, you know, that's, they're investing in mm-hmm. a small business, Definitely. right? That and pays it's, these it's, guides. it's easily the highest dollar per individual tourism industry we have in this state because you're having, that's one person who's spending $15,000 on a landowner tag 
They're spending, you know, thousands of dollars to fly here. And then, like you said, they're all lodging. the incidentals that they're paying yes. for, they're lodging, the the outfitting, you know, if, if they decide to hire an outfitter and all of those other incidentals that come with the travel. And they're all going back into those rural communities. It is. It's an important industry to keep here. Um, as we go into this next session, are there any um, key legislation that you're keeping an eye on at this time? Or are you just keeping a watchful eye? Or do you see something? Yeah, I mean, it's down? a budget session, which is typically I, I consider an easier session for us because we, we typically are not really having uh, to work near as hard in a budget session. But I do think that the Department of Game and Fish is probably going to be working on a license fee increase bill. And so we'll be negotiating with them to make sure that, um, I mean, it does sound like they legitimately need a fee increase from from their budget um, review that they basically just gave today. So it does sound like that's a legitimate need and we don't want the Department of Game and Fish to be underfunded. So we'll negotiate with them to figure out where the, the fee increase should be and, you know, make sure, yeah, where we can help. And, and, and also not to, you know, piggyback the whole thing onto the non-residents or, or the whole thing onto the residents, make sure it's kind of like equally distributed across all license fees. Okay. So for the listeners that are listening, Carrie, if they are, maybe they're not guides and maybe they're not outfitters, but they are hunters and they want more information. They want to get involved. Can they become a member of your association? Um, and how do they do that? Yeah, definitely. So we we have uh, we have sportsman memberships are twenty five dollars a year. It basically keeps you informed. We do quarterly newsletters, an annual magazine, emails, and uh, you can find all that information on our website nmoutfitters.com. You can email uh, for more information info at nmoutfitters.com. Real easy to find. A lot of times we conclude by having these call to actions, and people ask what they can do to get involved, and we say, well, just get involved to stay involved, right? And so. Whether you're an outfitter or a guide or a hunter, um, I strongly encourage you to become a member, mainly just to get the information Definitely. for the legislative updates for, for I assume you'll probably yeah, we have a week, recap. Weekly, we do weekly right. updates after every week um, the, when the legislature's in session. We also do game commission recaps after every single game commission meeting. And yeah, so just from an information standpoint alone, $25 a year, not, you know, yeah, not it's a good deal. Yeah. Thank you for the good work you do. All right, she's a familiar you. face in the legislator <laughs> and she's a great advocate for the hunting industry. And so thank you, Carrie, for all the work you do. And thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Senator. Appreciate Take care. It. Bye.